You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Thank you, everybody. It's so good to see you in church. Come on, somebody. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Welcome to all our friends watching online. We love you. Our High Ridge family is going to give you a big warm round of applause. That's all for you. We've got people watching today from all around the world, from Belize. What's up, Jimmy? People watching from Nepal. We've got people watching from France. Come on. G'day, mate. We we have people watching from Orr City today. Come on, somebody. I'm glad you could make it. The rest of your people are here. (laughs) <laughs> Grab your Bible, if you would, 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. We're going to go on into God's Word and believe that every time we open up God's Word, that God's Word is going to speak something into our life that we need to hear. Come on, somebody. I need to hear it. You need to hear it. We're going to continue on with our series called Points of Passion. As you're turning to 1 Kings 11, let me just say I am so thankful for your generosity. You guys are an amazing giving church. I'm happy to report that when we built this building This is a $2.2 million building that was built on the faith of a bunch of people that didn't have a lot of money, but we are now right at 700 grand left to pay off. We are so close. So thank you for that. On Legacy Sunday, we will continue to uh, hopefully make another big chunk of that. If you continue to be generous, and let me just say in advance, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are awesome, and I appreciate your giving and trusting us with that. 1 Kings chapter 11, are you ready for the word? Come on, you ready for the word? All right, let's talk about good, wise Solomon. Now, if you were in Sunday school, you were taught about the wisdom of Solomon. Let me just say, uh, that's partially true. (laughs) We're going to read about the other side of King Solomon. Look at this, if you would. Uh, Pick it up in verse 1. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters. The Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, the Hittites, the Kardashians, the ladies from Tyler, Orr City, Gilmer, love those ladies from Spring Hill. He was, all, he was all over the place. And it says this, they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them. You ain't got no business with those ladies. That ain't for you. And he says this, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. You're not going to help them. They're going to corrupt you. Notice it says it's going to turn your, your heart from your relationship with your father. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. You sure? No kidding. Some of you are like, I can't even find one good one. He found a thousand. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not, look at those next two words, fully devoted. Say those two words if you would, fully devoted. What does that look like for me? What does it look like for you? Full devotion. Heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. You mean David that had an affair? David had some sexual sin of his own? That David? That David's the one whose heart was fully the Lord's? I want to show you the difference between Solomon's wisdom and David's heart. It says, he followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, 
and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Molech was the god that made a big bull's head out of metal and they would heat it up with a fire and then they would put their children into this fire and watch their children burn. And that was their offering, that was their offering of worship to the Lord. And God is like, that, seriously? That's where you're going? Look at the evil that Solomon did. And so it says this, the, uh, the God of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. And the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He said, God said, I, I know you. I've appeared to you. I've, I've been with you. You know me. And yet your heart is not mine because you did what I told you not to do. Look at this. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow after their gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. By the way, this is a, 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 re, a repetition of what God said to King Saul. God says, because you didn't listen to me, because your heart turned away to something else, because you, you had your own idea, the things that you're passionate about was different than what I'm passionate about. God said, I'm taking this away from you. I'm done. Because your heart's not mine. You're doing what you want to do. I think it's easy for us to talk about Solomon with his wisdom. And it's easy for us to look at Solomon and the foolishness of which he did evil things and not recognize the own hypocrisy in ourselves and not recognize when our hearts are not fully devoted to the Lord. I think God's word is speaking something to each of us today in a language that we can understand. So I want to talk a little bit about Solomon. I want to do it in the context of points of passion. Somebody say points of passion. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would open up your word. I pray that your word would speak clearly in a language that we can understand. Help us to find your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we're talking about points of passion today, we've, we've kind of narrowed it down to two questions to help you uncover your passion. What makes you tick and what ticks you off? What are the things that when we start you talking about it, you're like, ooh, I, I know a lot about this, this, that's my jam. What are the things that you say, that's my jam about? What are the things you're like, ooh, 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 say less. Let me, let me get in on this conversation because you're going to find your passion right there. And then there are some things that if we start talking about it, you're like, mm, I better keep my mouth shut. You don't want to hear what I got to say because I'm passionate about it, Right? Let me just tell you, I am passionate about baseball, the great American pastime. I'm passionate about that great game. I am passionate about my Texas Rangers. I can reel off stats. I've watched them since I was little. And to finally watch them bring it home last, uh, last week was a profound moment in my life. And for the rest of y'all, y'all need to get saved. <laughs> Houston Astro fans, just come on over. Come on over. It's okay. It's okay. We take all comers. And I get passionate about baseball. I'm passionate about the Rangers, and it was awesome to see them win. But I'll tell you what, if, baseball makes me tick, but also there's parts of baseball that tick me off. And there are, there are two words. There's a name of, of which we do not speak as Ranger fans, and that name is a man named David Freeze. I have a hard time even saying it. <clears throat> mm, Lord. Because, this is, because the Rangers just put their very first world championship up on, uh, uh, up on the scoreboard, uh, it could have been their third if not for a man named David Freeze. Now, let me just say, I've got issues. I've got some unforgiveness here. 
because we could have won two more if not for David Freeze. David Freeze is not a great baseball player, and no one would tell you that he is until you put him in the world championship. And he gets, he becomes the second coming of Babe Ruth himself. This guy could not get out. We could not find a way to figure him out. If you're an Astro fan, he's your version of Adolis Garcia. And I told the Lord, I was like, if, if David Freeze is in heaven, that's not heaven to me. I'm not sure if I can do it. We're going to have to work some stuff out. Turns out David Freeze is a strong believer, and I'm like, mm. I'm going to have a hard time with that. Can you imagine sitting in heaven, and it's like, hey, look at the lion laying down with the lamb, and me, I'm like, I ain't going over there with him. any one of them. Uh-uh, I don't care. I'll just stay on the outside right here. Let me stay close. Just bring, bring me over a bologna sandwich every once in a while. I can't go in there because he's in there. I have a hard time with it. I'm passionate about it. But let me, let me ask you, in, in the same context, what are the things that you're passionate about? And here's a better question. Do they line up with God's passions? Because ultimately, I've had to realize that with all my passion about baseball and, and, and Rangers, and, and, and I even have some passion about the Cowboys. You have passion about Cowboys too. You either love them or you hate them. There ain't no in-between. There's nobody's like, huh, Cowboys, no, they're okay. Like, nobody ever has said that. It's like, oh, I love them. Or it's like, oh, get that out of my house. I get it. When my wife and I first got married, she brought a Johnny Damon and a, mm, and a Houston Rockets jersey into my house. I'm like, we did not discuss this. This was not in our premarital counseling. I've got, we've got issues. We're working through it. We found a way to make it 15 years. Come on, somebody. By learning to be passionate about other things. Specifically, each other. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but ultimately, look at me. It's just a game. It's just a game. It's just a game. What is God passionate about? And I found that when my passions begin to change to what He's passionate about, and I find a much better version of myself, all of a sudden my life begins to change. Because the things that make me tick and the things that tick me off don't matter. What ultimately, ultimately matters is what makes him tick. What is God passionate about? And as we see this in the context of God's word, it helps me see things like Solomon and all of his wisdom. His heart is not fully devoted to the Lord. And God begins to get really ticked off about Solomon's decisions because it affects a lot of people. I found this to be true that when I stray from God's passions, I start forfeiting blessings. And there's a powerful truth there, I think, for all of us. When the things that you're really passionate about get away from the things that God is passionate about, you start forfeiting the blessings of God. And Solomon's passions change. We see this in the, in the text. His passions change from being fully devoted to the Lord to fully devoted to a lot of women. And they turned his heart away from the Lord. Now, not only did, uh, did Solomon have to pay a high price for this, Solomon uh, drifted into a deep depression. And we find that in the book of Ecclesiastes that he just begins to go deeper and darker. And his relationship with the Lord goes farther and farther away from God's presence. He says, it's just vanity. There's no point of living. He says, I, I brought everything that I wanted to, to bring and I bought everything I wanted to buy and I did everything I wanted to do and I'm not happy. Not only do we find Solomon depressed, but Solomon sets off a long chain of events that destroy the country of Israel. We see evil king after evil king after evil king after evil king, all of them following in the footsteps of Solomon and going from bad to worse. What does it tell me? It tells me that there's a high price to pay for low living. And it doesn't just affect you, but it affects your marriage and your children 
It affects the culture of your home. It affects your business. It affects your relationship with the Lord. There's a high price to pay for that. And Solomon paid a high price for low living, for disobedience. So herein we find the passion of the Lord. And there's things that it speaks to us today that helps us to understand the heart of God even better. I want to bring you three of those if you don't mind as we're looking at the text today. I want to show you the things that God is passionate about when it comes to us. Number one, uh, God is passionate about people finding freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Now, when I say freedom, uh, we may have a different version of what we're talking about here. Freedom for you may look like, you know, the, the fr- free speech. And I'm a fan of free speech. I will fight for people to disagree with me. I will fight for your right to say it. I don't mind that you disagree with me. I love the fact that, you, that we live in a country that you can say whatever you want. There's a lot of countries don't have that. I love freedom of speech. I love the right to bear arms and not just to go sleeveless on my shirt. I'm talking about the right to protect myself. I like it. You may have different, you may have different points of view about it. We may be passionate about other sides of it, but that's not the freedom I'm talking about. God is passionate about us finding freedom from our flesh, finding freedom from our past, finding freedom that can only exist in a relationship with him. God is passionate about you finding freedom. Now, when it speaks of, of Solomon, uh, Solomon comes into a time where David had done a lot of work of turning the country back around to get them to fall back in love with the Father. And there was peace and prosperity. There was favor. God's presence made manifest again as the heart of God was pleased because of the devotion of David. And then here comes Solomon and walks the people right back into slavery. And there's this pattern that happens of God's people experiencing freedom and walking back into slavery. Now, certainly not us. We would never do that. Those people in third service, those are the heathens. But have you ever noticed that God sets you free and then you walk back into slavery to something else? Have you ever noticed that pattern or is it just me? Have you ever noticed that God delivers you out of something? You're like, wow, I love walking in freedom. But uh, this, is sure, this is nice over here. It's, it's, it's like, I don't know if you ever, if you ever watched uh, the old Andy Griffith show. And they had the drunk guy that was always in jail. And he would walk out and grab a drink and then walk back in and just unlock himself, just put himself back in jail to sleep it off. And you're like, that's my life. That's what we do. Rather than change, I'll just go sleep in the jailhouse. Just become comfortable with living as a slave to my sin. Here's where we find Solomon. I know what freedom looks like. I have a relationship with the Lord. But I also really want to do what I want to do. God is passionate about people finding freedom. I think we love to hear stories about God setting people free. Don't you? Don't you love hearing the testimonies of where God has brought people from? And I love being able to share my testimony of, of, of coming out of addiction and coming out of a lot of legalism, a lot of church hurt. I mean, I was raised with a lot of traumatic things, but God has set me free. And I'm so grateful. I think all of us, when you hear the stories of people being set free from drugs, you're like me. I'm like, I love it. When you watch people get set free from their sin and watch them step from darkness to light, you're like, yes, that's awesome. What an amazing thing until it comes to our sin. Until it comes to my sin. I think we get really passionate about some people's sin And we don't recognize that God is really passionate about setting us free from our sin. You don't just get set free once. There's a continual process of walking in freedom. There's a daily dying to our flesh. There's a daily welcoming of the power of the Holy Spirit so it can make me more like Christ. 
There's a saying that we have in our culture here that you might want to bring into your own culture that says, the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. And God is passionate about his people walking in freedom. We see this from Genesis to Revelation. He doesn't want us living apart from him, walking into slavery to our own sin. He wants us set free. I think when we get passionate about other people's sin and not quite as passionate about our own, we become big hypocrites. A lot like Solomon. I think we could draw hard lines in the sand about the way that people sin, especially sexual sin. When you watch somebody sin in a, in a sexual nature and you point fingers, you know, there's, there's a lot of scripture about sexual sin. A lot. The Bible's very clear on what is acceptable and what is not when it comes to the realm of sexuality. Now, is it complex? Yeah. Is there a lot of people's hearts and stuff involved in relationships? Yeah, it's complex. It hurts people's feelings. We don't like it, but the Bible's clear. Is it complex? Yes, but there's clarity. And it's easy to take a couple of dozen scriptures and point up at people's lives that this is why God hates you. God is passionate about you walking free from this area of sexual sin and not recognize that there are 130 scriptures that deal with gossip. There's over 120 that deal with slander. But I'll tell you what, if there was no slander or gossip, there wouldn't be a lot of Christians in Longview. It's amazing how how much of our theology revolves around what is sin and what's not and what's acceptable and what's not and what we become a slave to that we assume it's okay. And we'll mask it with, the, and I'm, I've seen it happen and I've even been guilty of doing it. You'll, you'll, we'll mask gossip and slander with things like prayer requests. <laughs> Pray for her. She's got, a, she's got a problem like King Solomon. She's not walking in wisdom with other people's husbands, and you know, she has them, and Tyler, and Longview, and Gilmer, and there's a guy in North City, no, just pray for her. You want their names? <laughs> like, not you, people in third service, they're the heathens, not, not us. Gossip, slander, what about greed? We live in some of the greediest times in the history of the world, consumed with American greed. God is just as passionate about delivering us from those things as he is from sexual sin. God is passionate about you walking in freedom from those things. And freedom is something that we have to welcome every single day. God set me free. I realize that my life is a lot like an onion. It's got these layers to it that God begins to peel back. Let me deal with this. Let me deal with that. Let me deal with this. Let me deal with that. Because we have this pattern of getting set free and then walking into slavery of something else. Maybe not you. Maybe I'm just talking to myself. But there's a reason why Paul in Galatians chapter 5 says this to the church. He says, brothers, you were called to freedom. But you're using your freedom as an opportunity to walk right back in sin. We have this predictable pattern of being set free and immediately enslaving ourselves again. It may be different. It may be the same. But freedom is a daily choice. And God is passionate about setting you free. And I think he wants you to be just as passionate about walking in freedom as he is about setting you free. Freedom's just not for the lost. Freedom's for the found. And I want to continually be set free from myself. Here's the second thing I want to make sure that you see. Number two, God is passionate about doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. By the way, that's the reason why he sends his own son. 
because you couldn't live up to his perfect standards. And a lot of churches will teach you if you behave and do these things, then God will accept you. That's called legalism. Let me just tell you, you can't behave. You don't have the strength in you to do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. And we recognize that David passed Solomon, his son, a lot of sexual issues, a lot of sin. Solomon was not strong enough in his own strength to deal with his own failure. And his heart begins to drift from the presence of the Lord and begins to embrace things that he wanted. And there's a high price to pay for those choices. Many of us know exactly what I'm talking about. You've had to pay a high price for some bad choices. Nobody wants to, but you can't run from it. How do I get free from that? Let me just remind you of, of, of a very, very simple thing. You can't on your own. You are not strong enough. Now, you can muscle up and maybe make it a few weeks trying to quit something. But if your heart doesn't change, it doesn't matter. In our own strength, we can't figure it out. We can't make it work. and We can't set ourselves free. We see this happen in, 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 in Solomon's life because he writes Ecclesiastes full of wisdom. Full of lots of things to do with sexual sin. Here's the young man who's a fool. And here's this person that gets led by his own folly. And this is a person committed over to his lust. And how dumb is that? You Come on, let's use some wisdom here. And like, hey, listen here, Solomon, Mr. Hypocrite. Because he's like, do as I say, not as I do. This is really, really good for you. Not for me. I'm, those rules don't apply to me. I'm the king. Do as I say, not as I do. I think a lot of our American version of Christianity is built around the same. We can say it. We can't live it. Let me remind you, without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not capable. You can't change yourself. It's the reason why we needed Christ. And it's the reason why we need the Holy Spirit. You need a daily relationship with the Holy Spirit. You cannot change without him. Let me say it this way. Salvation is not possible without Jesus. And freedom is not possible without the Holy Spirit. You need both. I need to be saved. I need to be set free. There's a reason why Paul tells the church in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. How do I change? How do I become something different? How do I get some freedom or some victory in this area of my life? It's the spirit of the Lord. It's God's spirit. It's the reason why when Jesus is leaving the earth, he says, I'm going to send you an advocate. I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, it's better that I should go because you need the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you walk in freedom and victory and help you proclaim it to others. Do you see this? Jesus says in John 14, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And it's easy for us to just stop right there because I believe everyone that showed up to church today loves Jesus in some part. I love him, but I can't keep his commandments. It's not possible for me to, in all the love that I have for Jesus, to keep all of his commandments. I can't. I'm going to violate them. I'm going to break them at some point because I know me. So what does Jesus go on to say? Look at the second part. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Notice the capital H. It's a person. You can't do it. You're going to need some help. I will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. The helper is the, look, Spirit, the Holy Spirit does the work that I can't do and that you can't do. 
I can't get rid of my gossiping nature. I can't get rid of the sexual nature. I can't get rid of my sin. I can't get rid of all my issues without the power of the Holy Spirit. I need him. You need him. There's the reason why God says, I'm gonna send a helper. He's gonna help you. He's gonna help me walk in freedom, walk in victory. He's gonna help me in the struggle I have over my own flesh. I can't cast out me. I can't cast out me. It's, it's me. I know me. I need freedom from this. You need freedom from that. I wonder what's, what's the issue that you need freedom from. If we were to name it today, would, would, would yours be the same as the person next to you? Probably not, but you have your issue. God wants you set free from bitterness and unforgiveness, gossiping, lying, slander, from greed, from anxiety, from depression. There are things God wants you set free from. Can you do it on your own? No. I need some help. You see, being a believer doesn't change what you struggle with. It changes how you struggle with it. That's better than your amen, and I don't care how you say I don't care. It's, that's good. My friends in France liked it. Here's number three. I'm going to close with this. God is passionate about what captures our hearts. God is passionate about what captures our hearts. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, these people, they, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Honor me with their lips, but it's their heart that's far from me. Now, in the English language, we use, uh, we use the heart in a couple different ways. Um, you know, the heart meaning literally like your organ, the, the muscle that you have inside of your chest, you know, your heart. And then there's also, when we say the word, you know, that, that player plays with heart when he plays the game, or, you know, she plays with a lot of heart, and it just simply means emotion. They play with a lot of emotion or attitude or, or you know, they, they disappear fired up about it. And so it's easy for us to think when Jesus says, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me, that what Jesus wants is, is more passion. Put more energy into it. And that's the way I grew up. This is how we express our love to the Lord. We don't just honor him with our lips, but let's, let's put some energy behind it and stir up our faith. Like, okay, but I can fake that. You see, in the original language, it doesn't mean more passion. In the Greek and in the Hebrew, when it says heart, the heart is the core of who you are at, your, at the depths of you. It's all of your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, all put together. It's who you really are on the inside. And Jesus says, you honor me with your lips, but on the inside of you, at the depths of who you are, that's so far from me. It's just words. You're going through the motions and you're adding emotion to it. No, he wants the depths of who you really are to be close to him. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And I recognize that when Jesus says that, there's a part of me that recognizes myself. I can honor you with my lips and the, at the depths of who I am on the inside, I can be far from him because I'm not submitted to what he wants to do. I'm not walking in freedom, not walking in victory. And I can't do it under my own strength. I need a helper. I need the Holy Spirit to begin to change who I am at my core. My choices, my daily decisions to begin to line up with God's word. I'm not strong enough to do it on my own. I need a helper and so do you. Let me say it this way. The Holy Spirit begins to change my heart when I start deferring to him on my daily choices.
There's a reason why I've learned to submit my schedule to the Lord. Because I recognize that I can go through my day and I'm OCD enough to just make a list of things that I gotta get accomplished and check them off and say, good day, I got everything done and missed the point of today. I've learned to say, Holy Spirit, come put a gatekeeper at my mouth and help me to say what I need to say and not say what I don't need to say. Help me to treat people the way that you wanna treat people. Help me to love them like you love them. Give me the spirit of wisdom and discernment that I wouldn't just say and do the right thing or the wise thing, but I'd be obedient to you. Because we know this from the life of Solomon that wisdom looks very foolish when you're disobedient to the Holy Spirit. You can make the wisest decisions in the world, but if you're not having relations with the Lord, it doesn't matter. Because in his presence is where we find freedom and with his spirit is where we find true wisdom. Wisdom can be applied knowledge and Solomon in all his wisdom missed the point when he drifted from a relationship with the Lord. I know a lot of wise people that do a lot of dumb things, don't you? (laughs) I know a lot of people that can write it and talk about it, sing it and preach it, write poems and books, but can't live it. I want to be more than wise. I want to be obedient. As a matter of fact, I found that sometimes listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit makes no sense at all to some people. Like, well, that's not wisdom. Like, (laughs) you know what's wiser than wisdom? Being obedient, listening to the Lord, having a relationship with him at the core of who I am, saying, Lord, you just tell me what to do and I'll do it, whether it makes sense or not. And I start deferring to him on my daily choices and he makes me a better version of myself. I start looking less like me and more like him. You know, years and years ago, um, in 1999, I just, I just committed my life to Christ and I was trying with all of my might to invite the Holy Spirit in because I had a lot of changing to do. I mean, there seemed like something was happening every day where I'm like, oh, I gotta crucify that part of me. That's not good and that's not good and that's not good. One thing after the next is God was so patient and so loving and so kind to me where every day as I'm deferring to the Holy Spirit, he begins to deliver me a little bit more and a little bit more from the person that I used to be. And I start changing into this person that I barely even recognize, but I like it. Like, this is, this is much better. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. You've been to those places where you're like, man, this is brand new territory for me. Normally, I would do this. And coming out of a, a time of addiction in my life and times of being led by my own lust and my own flesh, man, there's a lot of things I was ashamed of that I thought I could never change. I could never fix. I can't fix that part of me until I invited the Holy Spirit in. He begins to change my heart. And I'm like, wow, that's not me anymore. That's completely different. Have you been there? Are you still there? Are you still there? Because the Holy Spirit is God, and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And every day, he peels back this layer of this onion, and I recognize parts of myself that don't line up with this word. I say, God, I want to be more like you. Help me with this. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. And so in this time of my life where God was transitioning my heart, and I was starting to to yield to him more and more and more. Uh, I remember I, I got the chance to participate in the Grammy Awards. Uh, this was awesome. The singer that I was with was nominated for a song of the year. And so they bring, he brings me to the Grammy Awards and I'm there with him. And uh, they lead us into, uh, into our dressing room. And so I walk into the dressing room and I'm not kidding, not exaggerating at all. The dressing room that they led, that they led me into, uh, and on one side of the dressing room was Shania Twain. On the other side was Carlos Santana. And I'm like, this is, and then there's me. And I'm like, one of these things is not like the other. Like, I'm fangirling on the inside, and the artist was like, hey, act like you've been there before. Don't freak out. Don't be weird. You don't take pictures. You don't do autographs. You don't fangirl. Like, you just, I belong here too, because they don't know who you are. 
They don't know. They think that maybe this is, you know, this young guy that's, that's just as famous as the rest of us. So they treat you really nice when you stop fangirling, which is pretty cool. And so uh, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, that is Shania Twain. That is her. Like when she says, let's go girls, I scream. <laughs> don't act like you don't. Let's go girls. Ah! Shania Twain was our version of Taylor Swift. I'm just saying it, it was a real thing. And then Carlos Santana, he starts playing. You're like, I, I love it. This is awesome. And my dad was a huge fan. So I'm like, I, I can't contain myself. I need to step out into the hallway and I need to call my dad. And so I did. I stepped down the hallway and, and, I, and I put him on speakerphone. I'm like, dad. He's like, what? I was like, you would not believe who I'm in the room with. I can't talk very loud. I'm like, on the left is Shania Twain. On the right is Carlos Santana. Like I am in a dressing room with these guys. Like it's amazing to me, by the way, how far the Lord had brought me to a place where I was just nobody. And I'm sitting here in the company of people that other people just love. And I was like, this is a great, awesome moment. And then I get a tap on my shoulder because the dressing room next to me, the one I'm standing next to, the dressing room opens up and uh, somebody starts tapping on the shoulder. Mike, I need my dress. Mike, I need my dress. And I turn around and it is Jennifer Lopez with no clothes on. And I turned around and began to look at the floor and I'm like, oh no, oh no. And she's like, hey, I need my dress. And I'm like, ah. And my dad's like, what's going on? I'm like, I gotta go, I can't. I can't talk right now. I, I'm frozen. I don't know what to do. And it's amazing. I was, at a, I was at a point in my life where I was shocked and frozen. Because there's an old part of me that thought, this is the blessing of the Lord. Enjoy every moment. You can just repent. Just repent later. Not a big deal. There's another part of me that's screaming out, No. I was telling another pastor, he, he said, share some celebrity stories. Like, I'll share one of you. You're not going to believe, but it happened. And he says, you didn't look a second time? I said, no. I said, one time's an accident. Second time is sin. And I recognized in that moment where God had brought me from. Because I'm like, that is not me. I have the ability to not look a second time, to turn away and say, lady, I am not Mike, and I'm not here to help you get dressed. Get behind me, Satan. That is not for me. I've been delivered. Come on, somebody. But I needed to have that moment where I recognized that ain't me anymore. I'm not led about by my flesh the same way I used to be. God has done something at work in my heart where this is real temptation. In that moment, I made a decision that I didn't even know I could make. And it happened. I called my dad later. He goes, what in the world? You hung up on me. I'm like, I don't even know how to start. The crazy thing is that night I met Billy Graham. Like, try to figure that Whole day out. I went to sleep that night thinking, I don't know if I can sleep tonight. There's so much going in my mind. Where God's brought me from and the blessings and the temptations. And I'm on a brand new whole, whole level now that I haven't ever existed on before. But I like what the Lord's done in my heart. And I like what's happening on the inside of me that I can recognize I'm different and I'm changing. And it's better. I want to remind you that without the Holy Spirit, you are powerless to change. You can't behave. You can't fix yourself. And there's a reason why Solomon, in all of his wisdom, can't fix himself. And we don't ever see that his heart ever turns back towards the Lord. His heart is led astray by his own lust, and it just gets worse. And it creates more and more problems for God's people. And God says, You're not, your heart is not fully devoted like the heart of your, your dad was, David. David, who had very much the same issues. But there's a big difference between Solomon's wisdom and David's heart. 
And the issue with David's heart was he knew how to repent. And David knew the power of the Holy Spirit. David took another man's wife, had a sexual relationship with her, lied about it, covered it up. And then when she turns up pregnant, David has her husband killed and covers it up in a political scandal. Thinks that no one could possibly know until Nathan the prophet comes into David's kingdom and says, you got a problem, young man. The Lord saw everything that you did. And he has this moment where he recognizes how far he's drifted from the presence of the Lord. And the things that you thought you could get away with, the Lord says, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, no, no. We're going to deal with this, you and me. And David writes in Psalm 51, one of the most powerful prayers you will ever, ever read. Psalm 51 is an amazing chapter where you see why God loved the heart of David. And David writes this as a prayer of repentance. He says, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Not the muscle, not clean emotions. Every part of the depths of me, I am covered in sin. I'm wrong. Created me a clean heart, oh God. He said, renew a, a steadfast spirit inside of me. Read those words, if you would, for just a moment. And recognize someone at the lowest of their low in their humility that turns their heart back towards the Lord. Created me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. He says, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. If I'm ever going to change, become become something more than what I am, if I'm ever going to get past my sin, if I'm ever going to get past the failure of my life, it's going to take your presence and the Holy Spirit helping me to become more like you and less like me. And God says, "That's that's a prayer that I'll listen to. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. Don't take me away from your presence. I need your presence, Lord. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I think for many of us in this place, we've been taught that the Holy Spirit is kind of the bronze medalist of the Trinity and he's the person that we don't talk about because it gets weird. But let me just remind you of this. There is no freedom without the Holy Spirit. You can't change you. And we're gonna live in legalism and bondage to our sin Until we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. How do I do that? You ask him to come. You invite him in. The same way that you ask Christ to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, the same way you accepted that free gift of God's grace, it's the same way you accept the free gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm sending you a helper. He's available for you. He wants you to have a relationship with him and he wants you to talk to him every day. This is how we find freedom. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I'm gonna pray for you. Father, I pray that right now, by the strength of your power, that you begin to move upon my friends' hearts and minds and lives. I pray that we would truly engage the Holy Spirit. Now, my friend, if that's you, would you just open up your hands before the Lord? I'm I'm gonna pray for you, and I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Invite him into your life. The same way you ask Christ to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins, invite the Holy Spirit in right where you are. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you just say that with me? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. 
I need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. Lord, your word says, fill me afresh and anew. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. And Lord, tomorrow when I wake up, let my first thought be in submission to you. Holy Spirit, go before me today. Show me what to do. Show me how to do it. Lord, don't take me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Let me be led by him and defer to him every single day. Holy Spirit, come. Come. We invite you in. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I don't have a whole lot of voice left today, so I'm going to save some for my friends in third service, but Bill's going to come and take you the rest of the way. Thank you, Pastor Tim. What a great message. But maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord at all. We never want to close out a service without giving those listening online and those in this room the opportunity. As you heard the message today, you realize I don't have an actual relationship with Jesus. I know about him, but I don't think I know him. Today, that can change. So as your heads are bowed and your eyes are still closed, if you're in the room today and you're like, Bill, that's me. I, I, I know about him, but I don't know him. I'm going to invite you to pray a simple prayer. It's not magic. It's not a formula. But if you'll pray these words and mean them in your heart, your life will be transformed today. It's a simple prayer. Just pray it with me. It's very simple. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins and you rose again that I could have a new life. I ask you today, forgive me for all my sins. Come into my life. I receive you today to take charge and I will follow you all the days that I live. Thank you for hearing my prayer in Jesus' name. Friend, if you prayed that prayer with me here in this room or online, what a great moment. I'm proud of you. I'm so grateful that you took this opportunity. But if you're here in the room, let me ask you this. If you'd say, Bill, I prayed that prayer with you. Would you just lift your hand where I can see it? Won't call you out. Not going to bring anybody over to you. Say, Bill, I did. That was me. I prayed that prayer. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I saw you in the balcony. Anyone else? I prayed that prayer and I meant it with my whole heart. Well, friends, I'm so excited. There were two in this service who just acknowledged that they prayed that prayer with us. And let's give a thanks to the Lord for that. But I want to tell you, those, those two who prayed that prayer, there is a, a number on the screen. We want to help you. This is the beginning of your walk with God, not the end. So we have some resources. Pastor Tim has put together some things that will help you continue your walk with the Lord. If you would just simply text the words, I prayed, all one word, to 844-HRC-TEXT. If you prayed that prayer and you're watching online today, 
You can text as well. We want to send those free resources to you. Well, Hi Ridge, it's so good to see you this morning. Glad you got up and came to church. Won't you stand with me? We're going to close out this service. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask our elders and their wives to come forward. We always want to make prayer available to you. Uh, if you have any need, maybe you want someone to agree with you. Maybe you would say, you know what, would someone just pray with me about the asking the Holy Spirit? We're here to do that or any other need that you might have. We're so glad you're here. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity today to come together to worship, to hear a message from your word that can challenge us and encourage us and help us. And I ask, Lord, as people go out today, that they'll go out with a refreshed knowledge and awareness of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. And in Pastor Tim's behalf, go Cowboys. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.